the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The woman that we meet this morning had been chewed up and spit out. A Samaritan woman that we meet, not just once or twice, that would have been bad enough, but five times. Or maybe she had chewed up and spit out those five men who had been her husband. In either case, you don't come out of those situations unaffected. She has scars, deep ones. The man she was now with didn't trust her or she didn't trust him. She wasn't welcome around the other woman, so she had come to the well all alone when the sun was at its highest and hottest, and hauling it was the hardest. So even in the middle of the day, it was dark for this woman. The darkness of sin, loneliness, the darkness of love and lost loves and hope gone. The darkness of closing your heart to others not wanting to be hurt ever again. Perhaps you know what it's like being hurt by others. Regrets? Yeah, we've had a few of them, haven't we? Perhaps life is not turning out quite the way that you expected it would be. And that thirst that you feel. A cup of cold water can't even touch it. It's much deeper than that. And what hope for the future? What hope for change is there when you lock not only your doors, but also your heart? But the great physician comes to her. They probably hadn't seen a Jew in those parts for quite some time, at least not a respectable one. For you see, Jews didn't go to Samaria. They went around it. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were unclean. This was very unusual. This man was either lost or perhaps had lost his mind or up to no good. But soon she finds out it's none of the, the above. Someone greater than Jacob is here. Not just a patriarch. Not just a prophet who speaks the word of God. But the Messiah. A savior. There for her that day. To give her what she needs. What she is thirsting for. This Samaritan woman was thirsting for love. And acceptance, but most of all, forgiveness. You see, that's why her question about worship, once Jesus tears open the wound of her failed marriages and her current promiscuity, her sin and her hurt are exposed, and she wants to know where is God? Where is forgiveness? Where is mercy? Where can I go? Me. 
who can't even come to the well with others, never mind to the temple in Jerusalem. Where is life and love and cleansing that I so desperately need and want? And you can almost imagine the tears in her eyes as she asks, and the smile on Jesus' face as she asks. This is the moment he was working and waiting for. Now the healer will heal. The hour is coming, he says, now. When the temple, the place of forgiveness, will not be a building but a person. And receiving the gifts of God will not just be in a certain place, but in spirit and in truth. For as Jesus said when he started the conversation, if you knew the gift of God, not what or where, but who it is that's saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now she was asking and he was freely giving. A drink for her parched and thirsty soul, for the gift of God, his place of mercy, the giver of his spirit, forgiveness, and life was sitting right before her. She didn't have to go to the temple. The temple had come to her. For yes, Jesus says, I am greater than Jacob. I am. I am the Christ. I am the one who will not only tell you all things, but give you all things. Jacob worked for 14 years for his beautiful bride, Rachel. And he may have dug this well here, but someone more greater than that is now here. I am. And he lays down his life for you and for me, and he dug not a well with his hands, but a grave. Digging all the way back to hell and back again to rescue and provide living water for you. The Spirit will quench your deepest thirst and provide for your deepest need. And he did so not for a beautiful and faithful bride like Rachel, but rather, as St. Paul told us today, not for the beautiful, not for the righteous and good people, but God showed his love for us that while we were still ugly, while we were wretched sinners, Christ died for us. Our Jacob came back to make the sinner clean, to make the ugly beautiful, to make the outcast his bride. For that day in Samaria, John tells us, when it all happened, it was about the sixth hour. And when John talks about time, you better take note. That's more than just John telling us that it was at noon. But it was the same hour that Jesus hung on the cross, entered into darkness. It was the sixth hour when the sun had stopped giving its light. A darkness even darker than what the Samaritan woman was experiencing. The darkness in which Jesus, the giver of living water, cried out, I thirst. And when the darkness is finally at its peak, 
he bows his head, he gives up his spirit, and he cries out, it is finished. The time when Jesus was loaded with the sin and the shame of the Samaritan woman and your shame and my shame, the shame of the entire world. Jesus is still giving, still quenching, still forgiving. The water that flowed from the rock in the wilderness and satisfied Israel's thirst was just a trickle compared to the life-giving water given by Jesus. He spoke from the cross and he still speaks. Just a trickle compared to the water and blood that flowed from his side, which now fills every baptismal font and every chalice with forgiveness and life for you. That which flowed from him flows now here for you. That every sin be forgiven, every hurt healed, and every need provided. That's what happened that day for the Samaritan woman. For after Jesus has come to her, she rushes back to town and she gushes about her Savior. Her shame, her hurt, her sin was gone. She was loved and now she loves in return. Not like before, but new. For the living water that she received, as Jesus said, became a spring of water flowing from her. And so it is for you. You are loved, and you now love. The chains of sin and regret and shame that hold you back have been broken by his love and forgiveness, and you are set free. And so his living water is now a spring of living water flowing from you and me to any and all around you who are hurting and thirsting to speak the word of spirit and truth. To be for them in their darkest hours, to be there for them with love and forgiveness that you have received. And best of all, when life gets tough, not if. When the demons return and try to drag all the skeletons out of your closet, and when you find yourself hungry and thirsty and tired again, and when the sin in us and around us seems to be getting the upper hand, when the darkness is threatening to overcome again, Jesus is here. Not by chance, by grace. Your Savior is still here for you, coming to get you, embracing you with his love and forgiveness, and feeding you with his body and blood. For his love for you never changes. Turns out, Jesus probably didn't get a drink himself that day. Did you notice that? But now do you understand? He wasn't really asking for a drink of water. He had much more in mind. You. To love you. Nothing else really matters. You are loved by Jesus. The things of this world, the people of this world, the admiration of this world, it comes and it goes. But the word of God stands forever. You're Jesus. 
What wondrous love is this, O my soul? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith to Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen. Thank you.